looking at session number 10 in the life of uh, Joseph. I hope uh, our studies through the life of Joseph has been encouraging and challenging to each one of us. In the last uh, two sessions, we looked at how God worked in the life of Joseph's brothers. First, through the tough times, the famine that he brought in. In other words, the negative situations in life. Then the last week, we looked at some of the positive things that happened. They had a feast in Joseph's place. You know, and uh, the purpose for both of these was that they would be brought to repentance. If there was going to be a family reconciliation that was going to take place, it had to center around true, genuine repentance. And that's what we are going to focus our attention on this particular chapter. Chapter 44 of Genesis speaks about how Joseph has taken you know, maybe more than a year to reveal his identity to his uh, brothers. Why did he take so long? Why did he not you know, tell uh, them the first time itself that he met them to say, hey, look here, I'm Joseph. How about the second time, which took place maybe, you know, one or two years later, maybe. And now again, after so much period, again, he hesitates. Why does he do this? So the important thing as an introduction, we must remember that while Joseph's brothers had come to the point of recognizing the hand of God in their trials during their first journey to Egypt, their response was more of regret and remorse than of repentance. They recognized, hey, we are being punished like this because of what we did to Joseph. This is what God is doing to us. And so they recognized God's hand, but their response was not one of repentance. It was only a feeling of regret and remorse. And in this particular chapter, chapter 44 of the book of Genesis, we find the genuine repentance of Judah and his brothers. And this is what then caused Joseph to disclose his identity and to turn their sorrow into rejoicing. So this chapter is actually a final test, a final test that Joseph gives to his brothers to find out is that real, genuine repentance that has taken place. Now, as we study this passage this evening, I want us to consider into our own lives to find out if there is any genuine repentance. Now, a lot of times we say we are sorry, but if you go ahead and do the same thing again, that is not genuine repentance, isn't it? Or we may say we are sorry because we got caught but that is not repentance. What is genuine repentance? What can we learn from this passage this evening? In verses 1 to 6, we find that Joseph's brothers are framed. You know? This is like, you know, if you were to say, a mystery. Okay? A plot is now put together to find out who is really the culprit. Okay? So Joseph's brothers are framed. The trap is set, first of all. In the first two verses, the setting of the trap. What is the trap that was set? We read, then Joseph commanded his house steward saying, fill the men's sacks with food 
as much as they can carry and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack and put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest and his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph had told him. So what is the trap? First he says, put all the corn, put all the food. Now how much they can carry, okay? <laughs> that would have been quite a weight, isn't it, okay? So that is the first trap, give them plenty. Then he puts the cash also in the brother's in bags, okay? Not just the food, also the money that is put. And to top it all, Joseph puts his own cup in Benjamin's bag. Now, all this was to you know, get the brothers to respond, to get the brothers to respond. And God often you know, does these type of things in our lives to cause us to find out whether we are really going to respond to him in genuine repentance. Things may have been going pretty well. We have forgotten about God or the wrong that has been done. And you may think it is okay, but no, God steps in. It is like God is the one who is putting the silver cup in the bag and saying, okay, let me see how they are going to respond. Okay, so the trap has now been set. Okay, then in verses 3 to 6, we find the springing of the trap. Okay, oh, now they are going to be confronted with it. You know, verse 3 says, as soon as it was light, the men were sent away. They with their donkeys, they had just gone out of the city and were not far off. When Joseph said to his house steward, up, follow the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this the one from which my Lord drinks and which he in indeed uses for divination? Wrong in doing this. So he overtook them and spoke these words to them. Try and put yourself in the brother's shoes right now. Before they are confronted. They have you know, had a good feast in Egypt. Now they are coming back. Their bags are full and heavy. They don't realize the cash or the cup that is there in their bags. You know? And they are pretty happy. Now they've also got Simeon back with them. They also have Benjamin back with them. They were hesitant to bring Benjamin along. Now, both Simeon as well as Benjamin are back. They are all going home rejoicing. They are thinking, hey, things are all very, very well. Okay? They are relaxing. And this is the time, again, there's a confrontation that takes place. Times when you think that you know, it has been forgotten, what the wrong that you have done. Times when you think that, you know, you know, it has been overlooked. Nobody knows about it. I did this particular sin. I didn't repent, you know, but things are going well with me. That is the time again, there's a confrontation where God steps in. He puts that silver cup and steps in. So in verses 7 to 12, there's the searching of the trap, the sacks. There's the searching of the sacks. In verse 7 we find, and they said to him, why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money which we found in the mouth of our sacks, we have brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? So immediately they are saying, hey, they are protesting. 
They are saying we are innocent. We are innocent. They are declaring their innocence very, very vehemently and says, how can you even think that we will do something like this? We are pretty good people. We have even brought back the money with, you know, which you know, somehow had come into our bags. We are such honest people. They are protesting and saying we are very innocent people. But then they come up with a suggestion. They come up with a proposal. And they are the ones who decide, hey, okay, if you find any of these things in our bags, then this is the punishment we are willing to pay. So they determine the penalty also. What's the penalty that they decide? With whomever of your servants it is found, let him die. And we will also be your servants. What a strong thing to, a statement to make, isn't it? The cup was in Benjamin's bag, and they are the ones who are proposing this uh, a penalty to say the uh, a bag in which you know, the cup is there, that person should die. And then he, they say, we all, all our brothers, we'll all be the slaves of the master. So the steward said, no, let it be according to your words with him you know, who is, uh, uh, it is found, that person will be the slave. Okay, that person won't die. But that person will be the slave, and the rest of you are innocent, and you can go back home. <laughs> okay. Now, if uh, you were one of those brothers over there, what would have been your response? Okay. To say, okay, we are going to be freed now. Okay, that person is not going to die. That concession has been given. Okay, that guy will be taken as a slave. The rest of us, at least, we will be free. We will go home, okay? So maybe there are these conflicting uh, responses in their minds going on. As one by one, one by one, the sacks are opened. And remember, in each of the sacks, the money was also there, okay? But they don't say anything about the money part of it. It's only when finally Benjamin's sack is opened, that's the last guy, so they were doing it in order. Last guy's sack is open. they find the cup over there as well. So initially there was the relief to say, hey, no cup is found, no cup is found, no cup is found. Finally, the cup is found. And that would have definitely, definitely upset them very, very greatly, isn't it? Okay. Now, the application that we can definitely pick up over here is that God doesn't tempt us, but he does test us. Okay. Temptation is designed to destroy us, whereas testing is designed for our good. Now, Joseph was not tempting his brothers. Joseph was testing his brothers to check up whether they have really, really changed. Yes, they were sorry. They, were, they felt guilty about it, you know, you know because they, felt, they told very clearly when Joseph was... Uh, crying out to us. We didn't respond to him. They felt guilty about this. But have they really changed? That is what you know, the testing was going to prove. So remember, when an you know, opportunity to sin comes in, that is not coming from God. Okay? You know, Satan is the one who provokes to tempt. But God is the one you know, who tests to check up you know, where we are in our walk with God. We may say we are following him, but if you are still hanging out and hanging around or and indulging in our pet sins and saying that is okay, God says, hey, that's not okay. I want to test you to see whether you are really following after me. You say you have made a commitment. You say you are following after me. 
Okay, let me check it out. So this was the testing that was given to the brothers. The silver cup was put in the bag as a test to find out whether they have really changed. So let's check up whether they pass the test or they fail the test. Okay, so when they are found out, Joseph's brothers are very, very frantic. They are very, very frantic. In verses 7 to 13, this is what we uh, now understand. They are so very upset. Why are they upset? Because they had given a guarantee that Benjamin would be safe. Okay. They had given a guarantee that uh, now, you know, we will get Benjamin back alive. And the father, Jacob, was very, very hesitant. He didn't want to lose Benjamin. And now they are worried if they lose Benjamin, they would not only lose Benjamin, they would also lose their father, Jacob. And the guilt that they are feeling because they lied to their father about Joseph would have been so very strong in them. Now, a couple of possibilities. Okay, Number one, Benjamin may have been dishonest. Okay, That's what they have been thinking now. Okay. Now, you remember Joseph was treating Benjamin, you know, very, with very special attention and you know, larger chunks of meat was given to him. So they have been thinking maybe Benjamin actually took the cup, okay. Or, you know, they are also saying, okay, now that, you know, whether he took the cup or he didn't take the cup, the cup is now found in his bag, you know, so he will have to die, okay. He will have to die. But there again, Another steward has said, hey, look, he's not going to die, but he will only be detained. He would only be you know, kept as a slave. You know. So right now they are going to be tested in their concern for their brother and in their love for their father. Will they look out for their own life or will they be loyal to Benjamin? Will they care about their father or will they forsake Benjamin? protect themselves and go back home with the dreadful news. This is the situation. This is the dilemma that they are in. Now, if the brothers were the same as they were earlier, they would have said, okay, you know, as long as we are safe, as long as we've got Simeon back with us, we can say some story to our father Jacob. It is okay. But no, now over a period of time, God has worked in their lives. And as a result, you know, the conscience has now been activated to you know, know the truth, know the lie. And now they are not willing to say, okay, we'll tell a lie to Jacob. They want to tell the truth to Jacob. So they are returning to Joseph. Verses 13 to 14, we find Joseph's brothers return to Joseph to confess their crime, okay? Verse 13 tells us, then they tore their clothes, and when each man loaded his donkey, they returned to the city. The word returned over there is a very important word, because that is the word that signifies true repentance. Repentance is you're going in one direction, you recognize that's a wrong direction, and you stop and turn around and return back to the right direction. So, two things that they do to express their repentance. First of all, the Bible tells us in verse 13 that they tore their clothes. This was a sign or a symbol of extreme sorrow for something that has happened. Okay, That was the external form 
of repentance to say, hey, we are really sorry for what has happened. Then you find they returned back. <laughs> they returned back and then they fell to the ground before Joseph to plead for his mercy. <laughs> okay, So their reaction at this point is a uh, two-point, uh, if you were to say, two-part uh, response. You know? First of all, they acknowledge their repentance externally, you know, by you know, the signs that they do, tearing their clothes and falling to the ground. Secondly, they also show their repentance by not just tearing their clothes and falling to the ground before the steward and going back home, but they return back to Joseph's house. And on the way, on the way, they are collected together. There's no question of fight among them or blaming anybody among them. They are all united in this factor to say, Somehow we have to save Benjamin. Somehow we have to save our father. Our father should not die with grief. So here we see a picture of 10 grown men who are finally ready to do the right thing. They are finally grown up. They are willing to face whatever consequences there are together. They have gone to come to the point in which they are no longer thinking about themselves. They are only thinking about the other person. They have a desire to do right regardless of their personal cost. And this is what true genuine repentance is, isn't it? And this is the point that God wants us to reach as well. He wants us to come to a point where we stop making excuses for our behavior. He wants us to come to the place <laughs> where we are willing to own up to our sins. God wants us to stop pointing the fingers at others. Oftentimes, when a person is living in sin, he doesn't blame himself for it. He says somebody else is the cause of it. The environment is the cause of it. My friends are the cause of it. Here, they were willing to admit, hey, we are the cause. This is the reason why. So collectively, they are willing to come back <coughs> to Joseph. And this is what God wants to do in our lives. God wants to confront us at the very point of our sins in order to open our eyes to our need of repentance. These brothers are facing the things they are facing because God is determined to get their attention and bring them back into a right relationship with him. And the same Lord will do the same thing in our lives as well. And the best thing that we can do is when God shows sin to, in our lives, we should be willing to confess it immediately, completely and honestly. And then we too would be able to find forgiveness. Okay, so let's move further. Now, how does Joseph respond to their external confession? Okay, Joseph's brothers received Joseph's judgment upon their confession. Verse 15, we find a questioning that takes place. And Joseph said to them, what is this deed that you have done? Do you not know that such a man as I can indeed practice divination? Okay. Now, what is this deed that you have done? Now, what have you done? Okay. Now, this is the first immediate uh, questioning for sin, isn't it? God told this to Eve in the garden. God told to Cain after he killed Abel. Okay, 
Pharaoh told this to Abraham after he lied about Sarah. Okay, all these cases we find people or God saying, "What is this you have done?" It's a questioning. Why have you done this? Okay, to probe further to find out the cause. Okay, that we are accountable. Okay. They were accountable to Joseph because Joseph was the one who supplied them all those you know, goods. And when God wants to deal with sin in our lives, he asks the same question. What is it that you have done? Why have you done this? Why are you continuing in this? This is what I have done for you. This is what I've shown you that this is wrong. I put tough situations into your life. I showed grace to you so that you would learn and come back to me. Why are you continuing this? You know? Why have you not yet responded in total submission and repentance and forsaking of that sin? The questioning part of another you know, Lord comes in to lead us into repentance. Secondly, you find now after the questioning, there's a confession now that comes out from <coughs> Judah. At this point, Judah is the one who steps forward and says, what can we say to my Lord? What can we speak? And how can we justify ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's slaves, both we and the one in whose possession the cup has been found. What is the confession? Confession is saying God has found out the iniquity of your servants, of your servants. Now, if you notice, he is not saying, look here, Benjamin is the one who stole the cup, okay? He is recognizing that sin is something that you do against a holy God. And God is the one who holds you accountable to that. So he acknowledges that God has shown us our error. God has shown us our sin. And as a result, okay, we have been willing to now forsake it. We have coming back to you and asking for your forgiveness. Okay. <laughs> then in verse 17, you know, Joseph's response to the confession is case of judgment. He says, far be it from me to do this, the man in whose possession the cup has been found, <coughs> he shall be my slave. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. <coughs> go up in peace to your father. Okay. Now, this was you know, like a testing again. Now, Joseph could have immediately you know, jumped at the confession and saying, yes, God is punishing you for what you did to me. I am Joseph. No, he still wants to make sure you know, how genuine they are in their confession. You know? So again, he searches out their hearts to find out, are they really, truly sorry that they have done this sin against God? Now, Joseph as an individual does the questioning, does the searching in order to help them to expose themselves to themselves. If God, if Joseph can search their hearts to enable them to be honest with themselves, God also or God much more can also search our hearts, isn't it? Sometimes, you know, when we allow sin to abide in our lives, after a couple of times, couple of days, couple of months, it may no longer bother us. And this is why, again, God knows exactly 
when to speak to our hearts, when the time is right, when to touch the right buttons as it were, okay, when to put the silver cup, you know, when to point out sin, when to point out error, so that we recognize what we have done is not just in a, a small mistake, but we have committed this sin against a holy God. Application on this is that God knows how to put his finger right on our most vulnerable and indefensible point. A lot of times we defend our sin. We may say everybody is doing it, it is okay, you know, we try to defend it. But God knows how to put his finger right on that point which we are coming up with a lot of excuses. We may say this is my weak spot and everybody is doing it, I can't help it. But God knows exactly how to put his finger right there to confront us with sin so that we will be willing to repent of that sin. Because it's only through repentance there is reconciliation and there is freedom. Let's move further in verses 18 onwards. Let's check how Judah shows his genuine repentance. How Judah shows his genuine repentance. And this is the moment that Joseph has been waiting and working for since his brother showed up in Egypt. He sees now that their hearts are truly changed. How are they changed? Look at verse 18. Then Judah approached him and said, O my Lord, may your servant please speak a word in your Lord's ears. Do not be angry with your servant, for you are equal to Pharaoh. There's a respectful approach. He recognizes that Joseph is far, far greater. He is a nobody in his sight. He treats him with a lot of respect. He begs his patience and he says, please listen to what we have to say. There's no arrogance, you know? there's no I know it all, you know? but there is a humility humbling himself before Joseph as the master. Then in verses 19 to 21, okay, he explains to Joseph the unique status of Benjamin. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have an old father and a little child of his old age. Now his brother is dead, so he alone is left of his mother, and his father loves him. Then he said to your servant, You said to your servants, Bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him. So now Judah makes it clear that he will do anything he can to avoid hurting his father one more time. He explains over here, yes, my old father is there. He also has his younger son, Benjamin. But we do not want our father to get hurt because of Benjamin. And he says, we will do anything that we can. And he explains to him this unique status of Benjamin. Then in verses 22 to 24, he makes an unconditional demand of Joseph, an unconditional demand. He says, this lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. You said to your servants, however, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall not see my face again. Thus it came about when we went up to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. He makes it clear that he has made 
a covenant with his father that he has pledged himself. And as a result, he says, look, we cannot go back without taking Joseph and Benjamin back. Okay, You can keep all of us if you want to, but Benjamin definitely has to go back. Okay, And verses 25 to 29, he speaks about the unacceptable dilemma that is facing Jacob. Why? They had to come back again. And our father said, go back, buy us a little food. But he said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother is with us, then we will go down. For we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. And your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. And the one went out from me and I said, surely he's torn in pieces. And I've not seen him since. And if you take this one also from me and harm befalls you, you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. Okay. So they share with me very openly. They say, look, here, this is the, the hurting that we are feeling because of the hurt that Jacob would go, is going to feel. Okay. Now, they didn't have any of those feelings of hurt when they threw Joseph into a pit, isn't it? And even a little while back, a couple of years ago, when they left Simeon with an, uh, uh, Joseph in Egypt and came back and, you know, till the food was over, they didn't really bother about Simeon as well. But now they consider, you know, their father Jacob, they consider Benjamin as well. And fifthly, we find the unfortunate consequences of returning home without Benjamin. So they say, if you know, I do not bring him back to you, then you know, uh, let me bear the blame before my father forever. Okay? He says, I have given my word to my father. Okay? So I have to keep my word. Now, these were guys who were very flippant with their lying, isn't it? But now their hearts are changed. They say, I cannot go back. I cannot go and tell a lie to my father. Okay, I'm going to be a person who keeps my word. I cannot go back. So he even comes up with a solution. Verses 33 and 34, he makes an ultimate request to serve as a substitute for Benjamin. He says, now, therefore, please let your servant remain. Instead of the lad, a slave to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me, lest I see the evil that would overtake my father? He says, I cannot see the hurt or the death because Benjamin is not with us. Up to this moment, there was insufficient evidence of repentance. Previous chapters showed that the brothers recognized their suffering as a result of their sin. But they only felt guilt about it. They felt regret about it. They were willing to endure the consequences of their sins. But that was only the beginning. Only the beginning. A lot of people feel sorry for their sins. A lot of people feel sorry because they were caught for their sins. But repentance is much more than remorse. Okay, Repentance is much more than remorse. Repentance is the recognition of our sins, which results in the kind of sorrow that brings about a change in our intellect, in our emotions, and in our will. 
and you find the change that has now come about. They are no longer thinking about themselves. They are thinking about their father Benjamin and father Jacob, which they were not bothered about earlier. Now they are thinking about their younger brother Benjamin when they were not bothered about Joseph earlier. Now they have changed. There's been a change of heart. And this is what Joseph was waiting for. And this, I believe, is also what God waits for in our lives. Our God is a patient God. Joseph was a patient man. He waited for so many years to reveal himself. Our God is a patient God. He wants us to change. He wants us to give up sin in our lives. He wants us to give up the sinful habits in our lives so that we begin to live lives that are pleasing before him. <clears throat> a couple of application questions as we close our study this evening. Number one, are you growing in your walk with God? Are you growing in your walk with God? You may say, how do I know if I'm growing? You can know that you're growing in your walk with God when you begin to hate sin, when you begin to hate sin, when you're willing to admit the wrong that you have done, when you begin to not be concerned just about yourself, you're willing to be concerned about others. When there's a change that is coming into your life, when you deal with sin, consider the others better than yourself, then that is growth in the Lord. Secondly, are there sins in your life that need to be confessed? Are there sins in your life that need to be confessed? Maybe some sin in your life, maybe some hurt sinner that you know, people have done to you or you have hurt others. Things will never be the same till they are confessed and forsaken and returned back to God. Thirdly, that there might be a silver cup in your future. If you know that there are areas in, our, in your life that are not where they need to be, uh, then remember, like he confronted the brothers, would also use drastic measures to get our attention. You don't have to wait till that. If the Spirit of God speaks to your heart even now to say, hey, this is sin, this has to be forsaken. Don't carry the weight of guilt anymore. Don't wait for God to do so many steps before it is confessed and forsaken. Even this evening, as God speaks, let's be willing to open ourselves up to him, confess before the Lord. And even as the Bible tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm sure. After they confessed and after Joseph revealed himself to them, there would have been such a great change in their lives, isn't it? The burden that they had carried for so long, you know, they would have been so totally free. They will have been rejoicing and freedom. That's the same thing that God is willing to give to us even this evening. Let's bow our heads and pray together.